Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 yes it is and welcome back as we head into our three of our daily three-hour tour it is a delight to welcome back to the show general mick mcguire he is a candidate for the united states senate his website electmick.com electmick m-i-c-k Dot com. He's a man of broad shoulders and big thinking. Last week, uh, over uh, 20 uh, generals uh, uh, endorsed him and supported him, talking about the kind of leadership we need for what we're seeing in the world today, particularly what we're seeing in uh, going on with Russia right now. Mick, welcome back, General. I'm sorry. Welcome back to the show, sir. Uh, no problem, Seth. Thanks for having me back. You Hope betcha. To, uh, you get a good discussion with you this afternoon. Yeah, I, I am too. I'd love to pick your brain um, on everything that we're going through right now. I just got off the um, phone interviewing a geostrategic uh, analyst uh, based in D.C., Brandon Weicker, based in Florida, but also D.C. And we were talking, you know, for the first time uh, since the early 80s, uh, General, uh, the word nuclear is back on the table and not with regard to Iran. Um, unload. Talk to me, brother. Talk to me, sir. Well, you know, I keep saying, uh, Seth, this, this thing needs to be de-escalated. You know, this is in many ways we're kind of on uh, what I'll call a strategic pause from the invasion of Crimea back in uh, 2014. Um, and that, that came about as a result of what had happened at Bucharest in 2008, where Putin made it clear that um, NATO expansion into the Ukraine was a red line for him. Uh, I think militarily he's in a really tough spot. But what's happened now is he's overextended himself logistically. And I, I, I would really like to see leadership right now that uh, gets people back to the table, because when you're suffering conventional losses at a rate greater than anticipated. I, I really worry, Seth, about uh, this thing escalating and spilling over into NATO. And uh, Biden has put us in a position here where after we cut off our ability to be a leader in energy exporting, uh, we, we did not uh, very aggressively condemn not only uh, Hamas but AOC for uh, – calling out death to Israel after the uh, attacks in Gaza in the spring of 2021 and then the collapse in Kabul. I think uh, Russia was emboldened. And I think the biggest thing I'm concerned about is while this goes down, we are distracted with all that's there and uh, China has their eye on Taiwan. And you can see how this could quickly escalate. Oh, absolutely. And if China has its eye and desire on Taiwan, that will not be a week's long effort. I mean, that'll happen in the blink of an eye, too. And we'll be basically, I think, helpless to do much about it. But we have sent every signal we possibly can. You've outlined some of it. The Kabul thing, I think, was tremendously uh, devastating, much like uh, 1975 in Saigon was, right? I mean, you remember all this, and that's when we watched about 10 countries fall to the Soviet sphere because they saw a United States that didn't have the will to stand up for its allies. And, uh, you know, Vladimir Putin is a lot of things, but he can read Joe Biden. He can read the United States. He can read this leadership, and it's not the leadership we had two years ago, is it, sir? 
Yeah, you know, peace through strength means that you're you're going to be serious about your words, and I think that we don't want to have an expeditionary mindset here. We we really need to try to. I've said. We need to be able to release the aircraft that the Poles have offered those MiG-29s back to the Ukraine, allow their pilots to come in and get those. Uh, they're going to use those for defensive counter-air uh, to be able to protect the folks in the western part of the country. Uh, in the eastern part of the country, it's, it's kind of turned into siege warfare, and, and we really need to try to get to the table for a ceasefire to try to start getting humanitarian aid. I saw a thing yesterday that said Maripol, that southern port city has been without power for, uh, I think, 10 days yeah. in parts of it now. And right. Just imagine being without power in a metropolitan area without 10 days. Uh, that added to the problems with food, ice, water, and medical supplies. And there's a, there's, there's a great humanitarian need that needs to get in there. Hopefully, you know, we could get uh, Putin to the table uh, and look about a neutrality statement for the Ukraine to try to end this right now because, he seems level set on just uh, uh, destroying things there until he gets what he wants. Yeah, that's my concern, too. Would you address it? You brought it up. If we are to go forward with, you know, putting uh, those jets through Poland or, or, or any, any other kind of materiel, does that incentivize or catalyze Putin to make further moves into Poland or to think about uh, a serious use of some form of tactical nuclear weaponry? Do we worry about that, or or do you think we can shut him down quicker than he can uh, unleash that hell? Well, I I think that we need to de-escalate this. I think that any time someone is... I don't think things are going as planned for Mr. Putin. You remember when this started, uh, I was on... Uh, the night that night, Newsmax asked me if it can be over in eight hours, and I said, "The people of Ukraine have had a taste of liberty and freedom. I don't see them surrendering overnight." Right. right. Uh, that said, um, it still becomes a very much an asymmetric warfare kind of thing, and there has been some. I mean, it's very hard with the fog of war, but I think six thousand is the number of losses on the Russian side. Yeah. I think they lost fifteen thousand soldiers in all of the time they were in Afghanistan. So in nearly twenty-one days. They've lost nearly half of what they lost in 12 years there. So um, I think that there's there there's going to have to – I think there's some leverage there we can get to bring him to the table. But uh, right now it just seems that we have confused so many things. A week and a half ago we were going to let the Poles transfer those right. aircraft with the Ukrainians come get them. Now we're not. Right. The left they hand didn't know what the far left hand was doing right. is how I put it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and this creates confusion, and it makes it very difficult for us to be the arbiter of some kind of a ceasefire. Um, I don't know if there is a, is, a, is a third party that could get that done, but I keep saying, you know, no one prays for peace more than the soldier. And I am calling on, you know, planning on winning the U.S. Senate seat here uh, in November, but right now the U.S. Senate needs to, to rigorously debate what's at stake here and what our options are, uh, as opposed to just uh, letting it uh, go on cruise control and we end up bumping into one another on a border at NATO. Exactly. And, and, and even more, at least to me, more dangerously, you feel free to straighten me out on this, even, e- even more dangerously, is send a signal to China that, after all, we are the paper tiger that they that, that, that they are gazing around and looking at. I mean, if we lose, we've lo- we've turned over Afghanistan to our to the mortal enemy there. If we turn, if we allow Ukraine to go, uh, what message does China take? China takes the message they can take anything they want. I assume. 
Right, and and three weeks before this started, uh, wasn't very heavily reported. China and uh, Russia signed a deal to do economic aid, exchange of goods, and some currency activity as well as uh, exchange in oil and gas. Uh, China can help power this along, even with all of the uh, rigorous embargoes we've put on the the Russians for export of oil and purchase of crude. And everybody just has to be clear-eyed. You add to it, Iran uh, has a missile strike this weekend near Erbil in northern Iraq. Um, You've got Iran now looking to get a nuclear deal, and you're exactly right. I spent the first 10 years of my 38 years in the military talking about this, uh, the the doctrine of mutual assured destruction, the acronym of MAD. And, uh, you know, the wall comes down in the mid-90s, and everything is, we denuclearized in in Bucharest Agreement in 94. uh, 3,000 warheads went out of Ukraine in exchange for not being invaded. I think we need to go back to the signatories of that and say this is a violation, bring them to the table diplomatically, get some kind of statement of neutrality, and and try to stitch this back together with some reparations from Putin, because he clearly uh, has violated international norms invading a neighbor. Uh, Mick, uh, what's your schedule like? I, 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 can I keep you another segment, or do you have to go if I'm heading towards a break? What I, I want to be conscientious of I, your time. I, I've got time for another one. Great, because I'm going to head to a break, and I would love it if you would talk about the next thing on the horizon, which is the Iran thing. It is connected to what you said about Erbil in Iraq, because my worry, and we'll save your response for the other side of this break if that's okay, my worry is that if Joe Biden doesn't see or if this administration is not seeing any kind of winning strategy or pulling a rabbit out of a hat and saving Ukraine or, for that matter, other NATO nations, that they are going to be all the more incentivized to try and make something happen, slapdash, as far as a nuclear agreement with Iran. Maybe when we come back, you could talk about the dangers of a nuclear, quote-unquote, agreement. Yeah, quote-unquote, agreement with Iran, if we could. We're talking to Mick McGuire, General Mick McGuire, electmick.com. He's a candidate for Senate. And uh, he uh, he will be with us when we come right back. As I go to the break, let me put in a word for our friends at Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. Daily Dose gives you a blend of 15 whole vegetables and 16 whole fruits, all natural, 100% whole food, gluten-free, non-GMO, no extracts or synthetics. All you get are fruits and vegetables, no added sugar at all whatsoever. If you don't like swallowing the vegetarian capsules, they're easily made to open up and sprinkle in a drink or any kind of food that you want to take. But you get the potent, powerful stuff with Balance of Nature that your body craves and needs. I take it every day. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We are uh, privileged to have with us General Mick McGuire. He is a candidate for the United States Senate. Electmick.com is his website, electmick, M-I-C-K, dot com, uh, to learn more about him or help his campaign out if you're, uh, if you're inclined or interested in doing so. General McGuire, uh, we were just uh, broaching the topic of this uh, other thing that's taking place while the Russia-Ukraine thing is taking place, and that's the deal with Iran. What would be your concerns about it? Good idea, bad idea, and why? Uh, President Trump was uh, clearly right to walk away from that deal. It gave uh, Iran too much opportunity to continue to enrich uh, uranium 
They have uh, routinely, routinely shown an aggressive bent towards Israel and have been long-time uh, seekers of being, uh, wanting to join the countries that are nuclear-capable. And uh, the instability of their rhetoric uh, makes it such that we just can't have that. I think if there's any silver lining to the uh, invasion of Ukraine, I think that um, Russia now is suffering the sanctions is going to want to make sure they have some piece of the action in the deal. Biden's administration clearly knows that Russia has put themselves on the outside looking in of the international community. So I hope that spells the end of this deal altogether. Uh, but that's that's my position on it. Uh, so we don't really need a deal to keep Iran from having nuclear weapons, do we? I mean, they are signatories to the nonproliferation treaty for whatever that's worth. We don't need to be giving them more money in a form of what blackmail or bribery that gives them a legal pathway to a to a nuclear weapon, uh, General? Do we? I mean, it just seems right. to me it's no. superfluous. No, no and, and it and it isn't it isn't in our interest there uh, again. Uh, there's been uh, the Iranian people have suffered mightily uh, uh, for the last 30 years. Uh, there's been ebbs and flows with that. And clearly, uh, when you have the authoritarianism that reigns there and the rhetoric that comes out of the, that country, uh, we're seeing already the problems with uh, having wounded conventional forces in Russia and the uh, at least the, the discussion of escalation uh, happening that we, we don't need that on multiple fronts. This is why I keep saying it's so important for us to, you know, the, the message of hope for the American people is that the, the Ukrainian people are fighting valiantly, um, but a siege of the city is still going to cause significant humanitarian damage. There's significant economic crisis that will begin to occur in Russia on their people. We need to get people to the table to a ceasefire and figure out some way out of this uh, and go back to the 94 Bucharest Agreement and remind Russia why we signed that. General uh, Mick McGuire, should you uh, be elected to the United States Senate and, God willing, uh, with a Republican majority there, a decisive Republican majority in the United States Senate, can you rein in, can a United States Senate or can a majority party in a Senate rein in an administration that is just, you know, hell-bent on doing uh, operating under 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 issues of national security that are antithetical to our national security? Does the Senate have a role there? Well, the Senate clearly has a role on the ratification of all treaties and all of the confirmation of all cabinet appointees, judges, all of the things that are uniquely vested to the Senate, as well as uh, you've seen already what the power of 50 plus one yeah. has done right now. And uh, reconciliation in the budget still uh, it, it isn't going away. The problem we have at our southwest border is going to be the number one funding priority for me uh, when elected uh, to both uh, secure the border completely, complete the wall, and as I've told you before, surveil it and enforce it. That's that's still an issue that's going to be facing us. It is much more than a national security issue, although that's front and center right now. It's a human security issue in the state. And I think we just every every Arizonan and every American citizen has got to understand what our interests are, be able to debate them, talk about the Ukraine and what it why we are concerned, talk about Iran and why we are concerned. But it's never in struggle on the campaign trail to explain to Arizona why the borders are concerned. Right. You know that is the number one issue. 
you know, you think about the problems we're facing. None of them have gotten smaller. They've all been exacerbated over the last couple of years. And, you know, the more you and I talk or the – you know, the more any any couple of folks talk about what's going on, the, the problems proliferate. I mean, yeah, we were talking Russia and Ukraine, which is it's a big enough problem. NATO, big enough problem. China, Taiwan, huge problem. Uh, then we add Iran. Now we talk about our border. Uh, first and foremost, we need to show a seriousness to our own borders, right? I mean, it's hard to lecture other countries on the sanctity of borders when we're uh, when we're telling ourselves and we're uh, we're telling ourselves that our borders don't matter. Yeah. You bet. And and for us, it's about, you know, just the rule of law. I keep saying this, Seth, you can't pick and choose what laws you follow. Right. That we can have a healthy debate about immigration policy and yep. changes to laws, yep. but that is not border security. And if there's one thing I want everybody to understand, border security is required regardless of what we do with immigration law. If we don't have border security, then it doesn't matter if you have immigration That's right. law. That's right. That's, that's exactly right. And you can have... You could even have an airtight border. <laughs> Let's just say we had an airtight border. You could have an airtight border and still have, for those that are interested in that, and it's it's a worthy debate and worthwhile debate, and still have a hugely generous, if not liberal, immigration policy, right? I mean, that's your point. You could. Sure. and we, we It's actually easier could. in a way. It's right. easier in a way. Right. And, and, and you know that we have to have those ports of entry functioning. They're sure. the lifeblood of our of our state and and nation but the truth is it, it has become more lawless less secure and the idea of rotational migrant activity at the border is gone because it is completely lawless on both sides of the right. border right now and the cartels have made it mo- far worse on the south side of the border yeah. and i just keep saying you know the radical left is is not serious about border security if it's easier to traffic a nine-year-old girl into the sex trade, and then they talk to you about public health, it's easier to, to traffic the girl than it is to go get lunch in Los Angeles. So you're neither serious about border security or public health. That's right. And as long as we're talking about <clears throat> public health, we can talk about over 100,000 Americans dying from drug overdoses, some 80,000 plus due to fentanyl. You know, our total number was like 80,000 about two years ago, which was an astoundingly high number, something we had never seen before. Who knew Who knew it would get to 100? Well, a few of us thought it could get there, given all the COVID mitigation practices. But we have a huge drug abuse problem in this country, and it is in part, in part, at least at the supply level of it, driven by the problem at the border. Right. And you talked about China before. Yep. You know, they're they're winning a business war and an information war, and they're producing 90 percent of the fentanyl that's crossing the border. So uh, while I'm I'm very concerned about de-escalating the situation in Ukraine, uh, I can tell you these other issues are not going to go away because of that. Attention must be paid, as uh, as is uh, as is said in the uh, in the death of a salesman. Mick McGuire, uh, bless you, sir. Godspeed to you. Thanks for uh, giving us some of your expertise today. Again, for those that are more interested uh, interested in learning more about Mick, his website is electmick.com, electmick.com. General, we'll talk to you again soon. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960, We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um once in a while, not too terribly often, but once in a while, uh, when I outline the contours in my monologues, 
of what I'm worried about, what I'm concerned about, and the, really the origin of the ideas that we are fighting and where these ideas are coming from, what the energumen is of these ideas, um, often stemming from Marx, even though you know its proponents, to their credit, may not realize it. Uh, they, um, they, 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 the people who say uh, that I'm overstating it, um, I think, are unaware of how much our fingers have been burned by being reticent in the past. Um, I, I, I think a better watchword than uh, ignore the frivolity is um, small things say big things. And I think we have ignored too many small things as they have become big things, especially when we're talking about the left. I have spoken, you know, I don't know, millions of words on this issue alone when it comes to what's been taking place in our education system. Uh, you want to talk about cancel culture. You want to talk about uh, the death of free speech uh, or the assault on it or really uh, the interest in really another Marxist concept, a one party state. Um, it is there. It is there and we ignore it at our peril. Easy to dismiss and laugh off the view. It has a lot of suburban moms watching it. And whether they're watching it or whether it's influential or not is really not the concern. The concern is what gets said there with impunity, that there are people that corporations like American Broadcasting Company – I'm calling them out by there. I'm just not going to use their initials anymore. I think it's important they are reminded of what their company is. The American Broadcasting Corporation has people on payroll that say this sort of thing. This is uh, from uh, The View uh, this morning. The speaker is Anna Navarro, who claims to be a Republican. There's nothing that gets to me more than people who say they're a Republican, but nothing bothers me more. Just stop with the predicate. You're not. You're not. When all you do is support Democrats and Democratic Party ideas, you are not. So Anna Navarro says, I'm a Republican. She voted for Hillary Clinton. She voted for Joe Biden. She voted for the Democrat, whoever it was, who ran against Ron DeSantis. She threw a fundraiser for Joe Biden. There is no way this person is a Republican. And I don't use the name or the word a rhino very often because I think he gets abused and misabused and doesn't get us very far. But she's just not a Republican in any sense she might be an authoritarian. Listen to this. All and look, I, I but I think that's an incredibly relevant question, yeah. and I think DOJ, in the same way that it is uh, setting up a task force to investigate oligarchs, should look into people who are Russian propagandists and shilling for Putin. That's being, if you are a foreign asset uh, to a dictator, mm-hmm. it should be investigated. In fact, I remember when Tulsi Gabbard, mm-hmm. and I even hate that we're discussing it because I think to myself, who is this woman? She's a, you know, she's no longer in Congress. It's she's a candidate. She only practically exists on Twitter, and the fact that we're giving her oxygen is what makes her relevant, that we're talking about her on hot topics. But on the other hand, how do you not call out something that is repeating Mm -hmm. false Russian propaganda that has been brought down? They used to arrest people for doing stuff like this. If they thought you were... Got that? They used to... First of all, the DOJ should be investigating people, Americans for citing Russian or using Russian propaganda, if that's what they're doing. I don't believe Tulsi Gabbard is doing that. But even assuming she is, even assuming she is, when did the left and the Democrats, or for that matter, when did people who claim to be Republicans but vote for Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Ron DeSantis' opponents, when did they start thinking Joseph McCarthy was kosher? 
When did they start aping the lines of the House Un-American Activities Committee? I thought we were supposed to look at that as the dark time where spying on Americans for their political beliefs led to blacklists. Didn't George Clooney make movies about this and talk about how brave Hollywood was for standing up to the Department of Justice and the United States government targeting people for their political views? Wasn't wasn't that what George Clooney was all about? Wasn't that what Hollywood is still about? And now we have Whoopi and Anna wanting to do it all over again because it's on their side. The investigation and the arrest of people is on their side. This notion, I mean, we can have our disagreements, and I'm not with Tulsi Gabbard on most things. We can have, but the idea that all the right is on one side in the Russia-Ukraine dispute, I mean, I think it is, but I know that there's a debatable proposition here. I know there is. I don't agree with the other side of the debate, but I know it's a debatable proposition because most things are debatable propositions. Most things, most things. The idea that people like Tulsi Gabbard should be investigated and tried and that governors, excuse me, former governors and now current senators like Mitt Romney can call her treasonous for using, even if she is, treason isn't speaking out on behalf of another country when ours isn't involved. And thus uh, concludes our bilingual segment of uh, the Seth Leapson Show. A wake-up call from veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. You've seen the news. Boy, it seems like it was a long time ago. It wasn't. Don't forget it. Truckers and even their smallest supporters were being targeted. Bank accounts closed. It demonstrates just how quickly it can happen. And now you understand all the talk about getting everyone on digital currency. It's the ultimate power and control over you. With this tool, they will be able to easily extinguish the freedoms of anyone who disagrees with them. Democrats in the U.S. approved of Prime Minister Trudeau's protest suppression nearly four to one. You can imagine how they would support the same thing here. Gold and other precious metals add a layer of privacy and protection to your finances. Get private. Get protected. Get on the phone and call Midas Gold Group now. That's Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000. Use the precious metals dealer that I and Seb Gorka and thousands of others throughout the Valley of the Sun use. That's Midas Gold Group. The point I was just making about Mitt Romney and Anna Navarro and Whoopi Goldberg about throwing around this treason line for questioning certain things having to do with the Russia-Ukraine conflict I'd like it to be known. I don't think I have to where I'm siding on this, but I know that there have been uh, there has been a cloud of war, a fog of war that has led and yielded to certain pieces of misinformation, including propaganda. Yes, indeed, from both sides. And the notion that we're going to start calling someone like a former congressman, congresswoman in Tulsi Gabbard, who I carry no brief for. You've heard me condemn her and criticize her a lot. To call her guilty of treason or that what she's saying is treasonous misunderstands a lot. It first of all misunderstands that it's not treason against treason is against the United States. She's not committing treason against the United States. If anything, she's committing treason against Ukraine. We are not Ukrainian citizens here. Tulsi Gabbard is not a Ukrainian citizen. I find it amusing that Anna Navarro says, I don't even know why we're paying attention to her. She was a congresswoman and isn't anymore. Why are we paying attention to Anna Navarro? Or are we paying attention to Whoopi Goldberg? Whoopi Goldberg used to be a funny actress. She hasn't been one in a long time. 
She's basically, uh, well, anyway, she's whatever you want. But, but the notion that we would be sicking the FBI on people for circulating their views on this war and they happen to side a little bit or here and there with Russia or don't fully embrace the Ukrainian narrative – let me just point out, if that's treasonous, it's not treasonous against the United States, not when the United States is working hand in glove with Russia at the same time to effort a nuclear deal with Iran. Tulsi Gabbard isn't doing anything more supportive with Russia than this administration is on a daily basis, on a daily basis. And as far as those biolabs go, I think it's a dangerous thing to have biolabs, whether they're weaponized or not. Tulsi says she never said that they were used for uh, – that they were biolabs for, for, for uh, weaponization and, 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 uh, and uh, biological warfare, that they were, they were biological labs that were studying you know, diseases and that, yeah, they fall into the wrong hands. They fall into the wrong hands. Hell, when they're in the right hands, I give you the Wuhan virology lab. That wasn't designed to be a strategic or tactical weapon either. It became one became one. No one wants to talk about that, evidently, anymore. But yeah, these things fall into the hands of the wrong people. You bet it's a problem. You bet it's a huge problem. And I just think it's a really odd thing that people at something called an American Broadcasting Corporation can say that they want to have uh, people being monitored by the state for speaking propaganda. Really? Honest to God? I mean, I don't even know if they know how to define propaganda. It's an interesting concept. If you, you know, go into either formal debates or classroom discussions slash debates or watch a debate or attend a debate or a discussion and do a QA, and a uh, or even go to, my gosh, a, a family or friend's house knowing you're going to be discussing the news of the day and, you know, you kind of want to prepare yourself a little bit, you read a little bit – Chances are, chances are you're reading something either to validate your point of view or invalidate your point of view that, you know, could be considered at certain levels propaganda. I mean, if you're reading something, let's try it this way. If you're reading a studied paper or a paper that was issued or a research piece that was issued by a think tank, a DC, well, a think tank anywhere, anywhere. I mean, it is likely money has flowed into that think tank. It is likely money has flowed into that think tank that wants them to propel a certain point of view. And sometimes that money comes from the countries that that point of view is about. I think the New Republic magazine has totally sullied itself by taking so much money from uh, Chinese and Saudi interests that they just blatantly promote it. But the New Republic, let's take that as an example. I think I think they have totally compromised themselves. I think American universities and professoriates have compromised themselves by taking Chinese money and Russian money. I think they have compromised. And I don't know why a professor speaking from an institute that takes that kind of money isn't considered a propagandist as well. I don't know why Abraham Kundi isn't considered a propagandist when he is being funded by social media that engages in censorship on a routine basis and when – he then turns around and says that you cannot be a capitalist and be an anti-racist. Why that isn't propaganda for the CC, C, CCP. Yeah, I don't know why that isn't considered propaganda. Of course it is. 
Of course it is. And when people are defending the Chinese government, when the NBA officials are defending the Chinese government against a handful, less than a handful, of players and coaches that deign and dare to stand up for human rights, saying never again because that's what we thought we were supposed to say and act on after 1945, and they use the Chinese Communist Party's talking points as to why the NBA players are wrong or the NBA coaches are wrong to stand up for Chinese human rights or Hong Kong. That's propaganda. Boy, those people at American Broadcasting Corporation are playing with some really dry tinder and some really, really easy to light matches. And you know what it is more than anything, ironically enough? Probably need a new word than ironic for this. The irony is they're the most anti-American people I can think of for saying what they're saying, all under the guise of a paycheck called the American Broadcasting Corporation. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. I hope your week is off to a great start. And if we could help get you there, uh, glad to be able to do so. You've heard me quote Robert Jackson, Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson, uh, in a case called West Virginia v. Barnett. Those who begin coercive elimination of dissent will soon find themselves eliminating dissenters. That's what you're saying. That's what you heard from Anna Navarro. That's what you heard from Whoopi Goldberg. That's what you heard from the ladies on The View. They should be investigated for towing a Russian line. Mitt Romney called it treasonous. Only if your country is the Ukraine or Ukraine is it treasonous. Let's 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 keep our country straight and our loyalty straight here. And people have an absolute right in this country to argue on behalf of one foreign policy over and against another. Am I going to be held liable and guilty of treason for opposing an Iranian nuclear deal? Because that is what the government temporarily thinks is a good idea. How is it any different? How is it any different? Let's get our language white and let's not dismiss it. Mark Bauerlein, our good friend, tweeted, Progressives made pronouns, acronyms, and identity labels loaded and highly political, and conservatives made a terrible mistake when they laughed and said, you got to be kidding. The left appreciates the power of words and symbols much more than the right. Don't let them get away with it. When they use these words, treason, investigate, Department of Justice, They mean it. They mean it. We better mean what we say, too, and we better mean it when we go after them in response. Because going after them means nothing more than supporting the United States Constitution. And for that, there should have to be no, zero rationale, much less apology. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, class dismissed.